HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Inside Julia's Kitchen, the podcast, the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. I'm your host, Todd Shulkin, the Foundation's Executive Director. Our show takes you inside the Foundation's world to meet the talented people we have the great fortune of learning from all the time. On today's show, we're featuring a special episode recorded live at a recent Santa Barbara Culinary Experience event in Los Olivos in the San Inez Valley. In today's episode, you'll hear our panel discussion from the hospitality team working on the reopening of the historic Maddie's Tavern, and we'll get a bunch of extra Julia moments. Stay with us. We'll be right back. breaking with our usual format to offer you a seat at our latest Santa Barbara Culinary Experience special event. The Santa Barbara Culinary Experience hosts the annual Taste of Santa Barbara, a countywide celebration of food and drink showcasing the area's growers, makers, artisans, and hospitality industry. One of the most anticipated culinary and hospitality reopenings in the San Inez Valley the heart of Santa Barbara's wine country, is the Inn at Maddie's Tavern, a new Auberge Resorts property in one of the Valley's most historic destinations. Maddie's Tavern has long been a restaurant and inn, including starting as a stagecoach stop dating back to 1886 during the California Gold Rush. It's been expanded and brought back to life as a new destination for visitors, and as you'll hear, as a community gathering place. Without further ado, here's the discussion. Hi everyone, I'm Donna Yan, the Executive Director of the Santa Barbara Culinary Experience. I wanna welcome you all to a sneak peek of Maddie's Tavern. Yeah. How amazing is this? Um, it's so beautiful here. Um, I know a lot of us had many amazing meals here at the Tavern and it is so exciting that it's 
reopening with an amazing new food and beverage team here. And in just a moment, we'll have a panel discussion with the team, moderated by Todd Chulkin, host of Inside Julia's Kitchen podcast. He's also the executive director of the Julia Chow Foundation for Gastronomy and Culinary Arts. Um, I want to take a moment to thank all of our sponsors who made today possible. I want to thank the Inn at Maddie's Tavern for hosting us in this beautiful space, Chef Rhoda and her team for putting together this gorgeous spread, and I want to thank our wine sponsor, Liquid Farm. Um, Um, Those of you that um, aren't familiar with Liquid Farm, their wines reflect an old world style while embracing the local Santa Barbara County viticulture and climate. Their tasting rooms around the corner, and you can also find their wine um, here at Maddie's. Um, I thought before we jump into the panel, we could um, hear, hear a few words from Dave Elkin. Um, Dave is the general manager here at um, Maddie's Tavern, and he is, we're just so lucky to call you a friend. Um, and he's also um, one of the advisory committee members um, for the Santa Barbara Culinary Experience. And yes, Dave, hi. <laughs> Hello, thank you so much uh, for being here. Welcome. It's, uh, this is a very special moment for all of us. Uh, there's so many memories uh, for Maddie's Tavern, generational, a lot of them. And so it's great to be able to reintroduce the tavern to the community and, and to welcome all of you. So we're thrilled you're here. Um, you know, what, we've been working on this project for several years. And um, we're excited to announce the opening of the tavern uh, later this week. And so we're actually going to open this, this upcoming Wednesday for dinner only and just welcome back the community and reestablish the tavern as a culinary destination. Wonderful. Well, Dave, for, for those of us who are new to Maddie's, um, can you share with us its historical importance here in Los Olivos? and how Alberge is embracing it at the new property? Yeah, I'd be happy to. You know, uh, most people probably are familiar in some way to the tavern, but, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time understanding the history and, 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 you know, all the iterations throughout the years. And it's interesting, um, Felix Matty originally was a pioneer. He was a visionary, um, built the tavern in 1886 as one of the first stagecoach stops in California. And even in the early days, his vision was that the tavern would always be a culinary destination. You know, there's there's little rooms upstairs, which are our offices. And, and at one point, the tavern was a hotel. And even Felix Maddy always always said, you know, we're a restaurant first and, and a hotel second. And so as we reintroduce the tavern, it'll it'll still be a culinary destination first that, that happens to have hotel rooms. And so that's why we've opted to kind of open the tavern as our first phase. Um, beyond that, you know, throughout the years, throughout the last several decades, it's always been uh, a, a community social hub, the tavern. There's weddings and, and so many memories. Um, and so, you know, we really want to, as, as we reintroduce, you know, embrace that original positioning as a community and social hub. And so that's, uh, that's what we aim to do. Um, and so we're, we're just thrilled to, to kind of be at this point and get to welcome everyone. Oh, well, you know, when we, when I checked in with you a few months ago, cause um, I know you've been working on this for years yes. and the date kept pushing back. But um, one thing you w- couldn't stop gushing about was your team and just having met all of them, they're 
such a talented bunch from all different backgrounds. Um, what was important to you when it came to putting together this, this dream team? Yes, it's a very special group of people here. And, you know, when you open a, a property, of course, you know, you, you, you look at resume and experience and, and, and so they all have talent. They're, they're masters of their craft, right? Um, diverse backgrounds, wonderful experience. I think the thread that we looked at is just who they are as people, you know, um, humility, uh, curiosity, being heartfelt. Those are the things that I think set them apart from a lot of other teams. And so it's, it's that culture, right? It's that foundation, that warmth that you feel when you walk into a restaurant or you walk into a hotel, uh, some of those intangibles. And so I, I think as you get to know these people over the next few minutes, uh, ho hopefully you feel that too. And when you come to dine, you'll get that sense, that spirit. And, and that's what Maddie's has always been throughout the years. And so we feel um, passionate about our ability to kind of replicate that as, as we open the next chapter. Well, thank you so much for having us and congratulations on all your hard work. Um, Todd, um, shall we, shall, shall we? Yeah, let's get started. <laughs> well, welcome everybody. It's great to be back uh, here in San Inez Valley and Los Olivos and uh, at Maddie's Tavern, which I don't think I've been to for like 20 years. So, but it, it's looking pretty uh, newly polished and ready to welcome everybody. So thank you very much for turning out. So we're gonna have a conversation with, as, as Donna said, uh, some of the members of the team that uh, Dave has assembled to kick it off. And uh, I should let everyone know we're also recording this because uh, in part of my role for the foundation, I host a podcast for Heritage uh, Radio Network. And if you don't know HRN, they're one of the largest nonprofit uh, podcasters and radio networks that is all food programming. And it does everything from fine dining to culinary history to um, uh, agriculture and the farm. They have a farm report. And they certainly cover wine, too. Uh, so we're going to record and we're going to do a little thing at the end. Uh, every episode, the podcast is called Inside Julia's Kitchen. And we're really carrying on Julia's tradition of being able to share more widely the amazing people in the the food, drink, and hospitality worlds we, we get to meet with our uh, platforms. So uh, we're going to ask everyone for a Julia moment at the end, and we'll, we'll see what we get. So without further ado, what I thought I'd do is I have some questions, but I'm going to let each of the panelists introduce themselves and, and tell you basically just their name and their role at uh, the Inn Maddie's Tavern. So we'll start with, go ahead, take it away, Jason. My name is Justine Hall, and I'm the Director of Food and Beverage. Um, I'm Christy Guzman, Tavern General Manager. I'm Rhoda Magbitang. I'm the Executive Chef. And I am Rasmus Smakrat, and I will be the Beverage Manager for the whole property. All right. <laughs> so we'll start. I think uh, I was going to ask Justine to, to kind of pick up on what Dave was talking about. He was kind of saying about the, the overall approach to reviving Maddie's Tavern and creating a hotel property with the food and the beverage. Like, what, what, what was your kind of approach or thinking in you know, bringing that to the food program at, at, at the tavern and the resort? Yeah, absolutely. it's a good question. Um, so I think collectively there was a very strong direction and that came from, like he said, being heartfelt. Uh, we really wanted to pay homage to Felix Natty and his family and the history of the property and everybody's core memories that has come here over the years and really honor that. So everything that you see, that you touch, that hopefully you feel and taste, 
kind of comes through, right? It's it's supposed to take the history and make it brighter and newer and fresher, but still give you a sense of comfort and community and welcoming. That has always been the spirit of Maddie's Tavern. Um, you'll see that throughout all of the food and beverage outlets, whether you're in your room, if you're a guest here, or if you're at the bar or at Felix's uh, Feed and Coffee. Eventually, it's just, it's very thoughtful and uh, intentional. We really wanted to be uh, honest and sincere and have a great sense of place. Could you tell us a little bit more about the eventual when you're fully open with the food? What different touch points? You mentioned some of them. Right? Yes, Dave has always said that this has been a, a hotel, uh, sorry, it's always been a restaurant that happens to have hotel rooms. Uh, we have seven food and beverage outlets and only 67 rooms. So that's kind of not the norm when you go to a hotel. So we have the bar uh, and then we have the tavern itself, as well as Felix Feed and Coffee just underneath this, this roof. And Rhoda has curated different menus for each space, which is a big undertaking and um, really ambitious. And I love that about Rhoda. Uh, <laughs> and then out back, um, we have another uh, space. It's a new build. It's called uh, Jin's Tap Bar. And Jin Lung Jin was the first chef after Felix Maddie's wife stopped cooking. Um, so that's to pay homage to him. It's uh, six beers and wine on tap, uh, as well as uh, food. And it's kind of a walk-up space. So really fun for the community. There's not a lot to do after you get off work, after the tasting room's closed. So we're really hoping that the community comes and, and joins us there as well as in these spaces. And then, of course, Rhoda didn't want to stop there with four menus. Um, she decided to, <laughs> to offer a different menu at our pool space, which is called The Shed. And then, of course, we have our events and catering and in-room dining. So seven different menus and seven different spaces. It's really, it's really Just special. Just one or two things. One or two things. <laughs> well, I might segue to Christy because I think from what Dave said and what you said, and that given that unusual balance for, for a hotel property, it really says something to me about the intent to service the community and not just guests and to be really integrated. Is, Christy, is that kind of the approach that you're taking to hospitality, that this is a community gathering spot in addition to being a hotel? It is. It's, um, I think they've touched on it, it's a social hub and for all intents and purposes, this is you all here, right? So it's the community, it's it's a second home. And so our, our approach is to be just heartfelt, warm, and not elevated, but not fussy, right? It's something that's uncomplicated. We really approach service as simplicity is the greatest luxury. That's sort of the soul of our um, of our restaurant, of our hotel, of who we are as an identity. I think that you'll find that our common thread is that warmth and just being, you know, hospitable. There, it's just not complicated. It seems very simple to just say that, but it's um, something that I think will speak and, and you'll feel. That's the feeling we want you to leave with, really. Well, I felt compelled to ask you because I can't remember the last time I was in a venue that used to be a stagecoach stop. <laughs> and, and I think for everyone that will have like a different connotation of what that means. But when you're approaching hospitality, how, are you interpreting modern day stagecoach or is that something you're, you're leaving to history? No, I think that we're sort of, we've gone full circle, right? And a stagecoach stop was designed to be a resting space, an opportunity to gather um, and sort of just... Uh, regain some energy and I think that you'll find that is still true here at Maddie's and so whether it's after a long day of work or just tasting all day this will be a place to repose 
Um, and uh, so that's what we're, we're translating from the stagecoach times, right? After you think now we travel from Santa Barbara, for example, 40 minutes, it used to be eight hours. And so now it's just, we're, we're an area where you can do that at any given time. I love that. So dusty boots allow. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Even though it's encouraged. <laughs> is yes. it the only O'Bearish property where dusty cowboy boots are? No. Couple others. Couple, Couple others. Yeah. Couple yeah. others. <laughs> so I think uh, we should turn to Rhoda quickly because you teased out a lot of the menus and how many different things there are. So maybe tell us like big picture, given the history that all three of your colleagues have just talked about, how did you kind of approach planning, what, seven different menus? Maybe more nine. Well, you kind of had a, a preview of it just now. So you know, like a, a lot of my approach to cooking in general is, it needs to be ingredient driven, of course. And we're just so lucky to like be in California, where ingredients are pretty much premium, the best. I would even say, like in the country, or one of the best in the country. I don't want to get too cocky, but. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you just visit a farmer's market, it could be like, you know, the Santa Barbara farmer's market on Saturdays is like the most amazing thing. Like I grew up in L.A. and I thought like Santa, Santa, Santa Monica market was like the best. And I went to Santa Barbara market and I was blown away. So, um, you know, just being ingredient focused and also not and I don't want to I don't know if there are any other chefs here except for those guys. But, you know, like a lot of chefs get so enveloped in like technique first before, you know, over anything. And, you know, here it's it's really all about like honoring the ingredient first and just treating it the way that it wants to be treated. You know, you kind of like look at a cauliflower and it's like maybe it doesn't need to be like liquefied and turned into a gel or something like that. Like, you know, maybe it just wants to be a cauliflower and like that's, that's all it wants to be. So, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, that's, I feel like I'm rambling, but that's kind of like the approach no, that I'm taking it. It's like an umbrella of, of, you know, like that's the vision and, um, and another thing is that, you know, you look at a menu and you know 90% of what you're what you're reading instead of like having to look at your dining companion and ask what a sabayon is. Like it just, you know, like it 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 feels more um just uh yeah, like like Chrissy said, yeah. like approachable and fussy. So do you want to give us a couple of examples of menu items that you think are kind of emblematic of that and really speak to like the sense of place of being in a San Ynez Valley or with the access to Santa Barbara County produce? Uh, Johanna Finley from Finley Farms, they grow amazing broccolini. Uh, they actually grow a lot of amazing stuff. Um, and so I have a broccolini dish and we serve it in this like cazuela uh, that's almost like reminiscent of like you know, what your grandma would use. And we just simply grill it, uh, put a, like a roasted garlic, tahini, vinaigrette, and that's it. It's like, it's the most, like the, the boldest dish that you can see. Cause it's, there's, there's nothing else to it. Like it's just the product and the seasoning and the presentation. And it's very bold. Like, you know, when you, it's kind of like a, Last night, it's so funny, what a chef came up to me at the pass and he goes, you're serving souffle 
or opening? Are you crazy? And I go, yeah, go big or go home. So it's like, you know, like that's one of those things that you're just like, yeah, it's a souffle, but it's simple, but it's like, who could pull that off? You know, not me yet. It's, we're still working on it, but. What kind of souffle is? Chocolate. Oh, for dessert. Okay, yeah. dessert. Yeah. And um, Jacine mentioned this lineage with this chef, uh, Jin Lung Jin, and, and his history at Maddie's Tavern. And I was wondering, are there any dishes you plan that are kind of homages? Or how, I don't know how much you guys was recorded about his menu or that you were able to. So uh, Jin was, you know, like I, I keep reading about this guy and he literally is like, he could do anything. And I can't imagine him baking bread like, you know, in the early 1900s in a kitchen, but apparently he's an amazing baker. Um, all I can do is like, you know, try to be as maybe as cool as him. Like, I don't know if you've seen pictures of him. He's got strong pants game. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's it's hilarious. Like, you know, he's known for making lace cookies. He's known for... Uh, I guess, catching trout in the San Inez River. And he would, I, I read it somewhere. I don't know if it's if it's true, but he would catch trout and he, kept, he caught so much trout that he would give away trout like to every guest that ate or that ate here. Um, so some homages, I, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, like nowadays, like you can't be like, oh, you're appropriating it or whatever. But I think the approach is, you know, like the guy just cooked. He just, love to cook like he just loved to cook for people and whatever he can get his hands on like apparently he made lace cookies and all these things so um you know nothing nothing really uh specific well i guess if he had a huge repertoire that gave you right like you know like <laughs> he, just, you he gave me like a big platform so that's totally fine like so is there going to be like a signature baked good or baked product at one of the... We've, we've been toying with the baking. Um, we have, you know, like we're, I think we're pretty much there with like our bread for the table. Um, I, I've been kind of dabbling in, in some other baked items and watch out for Jin's tap bar when it opens. Uh, you know, like I'm super excited about that menu. I think it's going to be really fun. Uh, when they got hired, uh, Dave and I would just talk about like the different menus and and I just go, you know, like gins would be so amazing because I could just only see it being so like, you know, like just fun food, like coming out of the kitchen. Like I'm imagining like whole roasted ducks, like on Thursdays, like with all accoutrements and, you know, like a crispy pork belly with, you know, like steam buns and you had some like the oxtail bun tonight, uh, kind of a version of that. So um, yeah, like it's it'll be it'll be a, there'll be signs of him all over. Oh, that's lovely. Well, I, I think we can also feel like your excitement to yeah. be open and get going. But let's uh, bring Rasmus in to talk about the wine. So we're clearly in the heart of Santa Barbara County wine country. So given you have kind of almost an abundance of riches in such a local history where did what was your starting point as this smelly uh i had a father that was highly into wine so we would i'm from europe so we'd start drinking a little bit earlier uh which <laughs> meant that every every summer we will take a trip from copenhagen denmark where i'm born and raised and drive down to the south of france and either on the way home or on the way down 
mostly on the way home because we had to fill up the car from the spot we stopped. Uh, so we would stop either in Burgundy, Bordeaux, or Alsace. And from that point, my sister and I would sit on the back seat on, on wine boxes, basically. Um, I was probably visiting all the big five Bordeaux houses before I was eight years old and tasted all the sausages they were serving there uh, <laughs> until I got to the point and couldn't eat any more sausages. Um, but I think growing up and I had to realize what was my strength and where I could do my best. Uh, I kept on falling back to wine and hospitality. So in my early age, I decided that this this the, this the way I'm going to do. So started a wine import when I was 23 and a wine bar when I was 23 uh, in Copenhagen. And then I'll say the past six years, I've probably been taken a little bit more serious than I did before that. And so what point did you discover, like, did you grow up knowing that California had a wine industry or was that a much later discovery? It's actually in Copenhagen, we are very lucky because we have we have a window for old wines. Uh, whoever want to import wines can call the winemaker, pay some tax and then get the wines in, which meant that I could choose all the wines I wanted when I was curating any wine list. And I just talked with Liquid Farm the other day that I got a picture popping out on my phone six years ago with one of their wines in Copenhagen among some of the best burgundies. So I have been approached by the wines since the beginning, basically. Oh, wow. So in setting the wines on the menu here are at the seven different venues or where, where you're serving, are they all going to be like 100% local to the, the valley and the region or is it kind of a mix? What have you planned? It will be a mix and it's, it's kind of going back to that it's going to be a social hub. So whoever's visiting all the wineries here can come in, continue drinking the local wines. Also because there's such a diversity, there's such great wines being produced here. Um, but I also want the winemakers to come in. I also want the locals to come in and drink what inspired them from the beginning. So it's probably going to be a 50-50 a between local wines and California wines and, and the rest of the world, from Morocco to Australia and anything in between that. And so do, do you plan to balance it between sort of local, new world, old world, and like kind of all the whole planet represented? In it's going to be the whole planet. I <laughs> like, again, with the local producers here and their farmers, and I want to honor the farmers that is around the world. Uh, it's too often with the wine world that you get into a box of being a Australian Shiraz, which has so many different faces they can put on uh, and find the right person that's doing the right Shiraz that is suiting the palate of, of most. Uh, but also, if you want to have a, a strong Napa cap, you can get that. Um, so we will have, there should, yes, there should be wines for everybody. I was going to, yeah, I was going to say that sounds quite broad church and you can't <laughs> go wrong then if you come, so. I, I was going to ask you this, but it might be maybe more a Justine question beyond wine. You're talking about the bar as, as a sort of distinct venue. Are you also planning to highlight beverages beyond wine or have Absolutely. a cocktail program? Or? Yeah, we um, plan on being the, the place. Like she was saying, this is the social hubs. We want to offer the best of the best. Uh, we will have a, we do have a beautiful cocktail program. That is um, someone gave some feedback that's going to make, people really happy here. It's a little bit more elevated than anything else that is currently being offered. Um, we collaborated with somebody um, on many of the drinks and I think there's something for everybody. If you want something super simple and approachable and just crushable on a hot day, or if you want something kind of intellectual in your glass where you smell it and you taste it, you're like, to taste that again, what is that? There's gonna be something for everybody. Um, and of course a full bar program. But then the other thing that is unique to Maddie's is 
before I even came on, they set me up for success. And we actually have 16 taps on property for beer. So four here in the tavern, potentially six. Uh, then we have the six at Jin's Tap Bar and four at the pool. So that's a lot of beer. And so the program that we curated is to highlight local breweries from the central coast. Um, goes in, in line with our sustainability program, not a large carbon footprint. California, as most of you know, has a huge craft beer program, only comparable to Colorado probably. There's such good beer here and they're literally just across the street. Um, so here we'll be offering four different varieties to complement Rhoda's food um, and they'll be rotating, but it's really just to highlight, to go in line with wine, the people who are put their hands on it. It's authentic, it's simple, and it's delicious and beer, which beer should be. Um, so the other fun thing is like, if you're here and you want something from gins, we can get that for you. If you're a guest and you're at the pool and you want a different beer, we have little mini um, kegs that you could fill up. They're 64 ounces. So you could go and get a beer from any other outlet and bring it over to the pool or to your room, right? There's a full beer program here. So if you're into beers, as I suggest you should be, you know, come to Maddie's. We've got an incredible program. Wow. Well, I thought before we open up for questions, maybe I would get, uh, just again, going back to the team that Dave assembled, I've had the advanced look at folks' bio, and it's a really diverse group of people in terms of where they come from, the experiences they have both from life, which I think was deliberate. And so I was going to ask kind of each of you, given your unique background, what you kind of feel like you're bringing or adding which might not be from your background, it might be from your work experience, but I just thought I'd give each of you the chance to, to kind of comment on that, because I think it's really, this is a special part of the world, while there's lots of locals, there's people come to Santa Barbara County and San Diego's Valley from all over the world, which is kind of unique because it's, it's grown, but it's still not that big of a place, but you just never know who you're going to meet here, and particularly what they bring to the party, which I think makes it such a special place. What about you, Justine? What would you like to say about uh, <laughs> I think that's something that um, maybe somebody else could probably answer about me better than I can. But I think from from my background, I've worked everything from fast casual to very fine dining. Um, and I've done it for longer than I care to admit. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think I bring that sense of it to this place like we've been talking about. It's this approachability. It's the simplicity. Yes, it's luxury, but it's also refined but comfortable, right? You know, it's not fussy. I'm, I'm not a very fussy person, but I'm also kind of bougie. Um, <laughs> so, and I think that's kind of what we bring to the table is approachable, but luxe. And that's what I want to impart. I want you to feel comfortable, but want you to be fancy at the same time. I'm excited to have somebody pony up to the bar in Wranglers and their dusty boots, <laughs> as well as somebody sitting in Chanel head to toe. Like, I'm really excited for that justic position. <laughs> and they will both be offered the chance to have their mini keg. Absolutely. <laughs> here for everyone. <laughs> yes. Christy, your yeah. thoughts um, on that? For me, I, I mean, just to kind of pony off here, it's we're in line in that. And I think that's what you're going to find of our backgrounds is that we all have aligned in the approach and, and what we enjoy personally that we can translate to our guests when they're here, um, when you all are here. And um, for me, I've I've worked all over the country, really, so bi-coastal, if you will. And so I think my experience will speak to just catering and curating an experience to an individual. Um, it's never quite the same, you know, and it shouldn't be the same, even if the same person comes back. 
Um, you might be coming for different reasons and alone or with guests or family and friends or coworkers. And so it's really just about curating that experience um, individually for every person. So I think that's what my, my experience brings. And so I'm excited to be collaborating with others that think alike um, so that we can translate that to our teams and, and really put that forth in our service. And food. Like yeah. Very personal. Rhoda, how, how do you interpret that? Um, well, I came from a really big family. Uh, I grew up in the Philippines. I lied earlier. I didn't grow up in LA. I grew up in the Philippines. <laughs> um, but I've been, I've, I've been in California on and off for 21 years. Um, I lived in Vegas for three, but I don't count that. Um, uh, I grew up with a big family, and for, for us, like, every meal is an event, like breakfast. Everyone gets together and, you know, sits with, like, a bowl of fried rice and fried fish. Like, every, like, you know, like, lunch is, lunch, lunch is a big thing. Like, dinner, like, we all gather. Um, but my grandma loved to cook, so it's like, you know, for me, like, a meal is... Is, is an occasion, it's a, it's a special thing. Like it's supposed to make you feel a certain way, like no matter what you're eating in front of you, like uh, it's, it's the company and it's, you know, obviously it's the food, but uh, like that's, that's really just like, you know, kind of encompasses like a lot of my, uh, my, my approach to uh, cooking and just like how, how do people feel after they eat the food? Like, do they feel nourished? Do they feel satisfied? Do they feel like, you know, like my family will tell you if you, you, you're cooking with shit. Like he was, they would like, <laughs> what was that? Like, what did you put in there? Like, that's crazy. Um, but I was like, I'm a budding chef. Do you understand? I didn't know it yet, but, um, but anyway, so, so yeah, like that's, you know, like that's, that's really to me, like when, when, when I, when I think of a dish in my head, like I think about like first of all like how do you how do you eat it like you know like do you do you stick a fork and then you you or do you cut it up or you know like how are the components work together and then you know you eat the dish as a whole like do you do you feel like you want to you want that again like is it craveable is it something that you would look forward to having again or you know like are you so excited that you ate that thing that you can't wait to try another thing next time so uh, you know like that's it's kind of like when we like we when we crave something that our mother made or our grandma used to make for us, like that's how I want this kitchen and you know like the the food here to be. I think that's great that you're bringing that. It made me think of that was very much a value. I think with Julia and many people have this association with Julia very specifically about food and cooking and technique. But to Julia, it was the whole thing. It was very much who you ate with and who you gathered and who you cooked with. I think you might have seen some of that has been well brought out in some of the, the recent content. And, and I think you're, you're, it sounds like you're bringing that vibe. And I was just thinking, this is like a small group dinner for you then if you're yeah, used to like- Yeah, no, this is this like is half like of my family. Tiny. My mom's side. <laughs> <laughs> so Rasmus, you talked a little bit about just your background growing up in Copenhagen. Now that you're here, do you, like, do you identify as a Californian now, or, or are you still feeling <laughs> quite your <laughs> uh, I've only been in the States for one and a half years, so I still have some time to go there. Uh, my wife and I is both quite international, uh, so we met each other in Dubai and been traveling the world. And being all those places, trying all those different places, is just learning from every place and, and bringing that to, to where you are now. Uh, my father, after 
collecting wines, he decided to open a restaurant. So from an early age, I was put in the dish pit, just like Jacin was mentioning, and, and tried everything that was in in a restaurant to do. If it's to cleaning the windows or washing the floors, then you do it. Um, and I think that's one of the things you bring in with you is like, no one is good enough. No one is too good to do a task. We, we can all hand in, get the hands to it and get, get the job done. Yes, I think there, I, I would vote there's no better training ground for work or life than if your family run a restaurant <laughs> on their own, um, as my grandparents did at one point. So at the end of every episode of Inside Julie's Kitchen, the podcast I was mentioning, we ask our guests. It's usually a one-on-one -on -one conversation that I'm having. So this is a little bit unusual, but we thought we'd try it because we're right in a place that Julia lived in and loved. And uh, so I asked the guests, do they have a moment or a memory or an inspiration in a way that Julia inspired them in their career? And so we're going to ask her. They're, they're prepped. They knew I was going to ask them this question. So uh, we'll just see what everyone has to say. Justine, do you have a Julia moment? I don't have a Julia moment per se from, I, you know, she was relatively new to me when I hit like 30 is when I discovered her personally. Uh, I am not a chef. I like to cook, but I'm not. But I would say my connection to her is the, her life. She had a very uncondition, unconventional life. I have led a very unconventional life. I still do by many people's standards live an unconventional life. And so it's nice to have a camaraderie with people who are also like that. And so that's kind of where I take inspiration from her from, is that even years and years ago, someone was breaking those boundaries and doing things a little bit differently. And it's totally fine to do. And it's actually should be more celebrated. No, I think that that's a great one. And I think that's a really common thing that people bring up of what Julia means to them is that she didn't do things particularly for her generation in this prescribed fashion. But it's very empowering to think if she could succeed doing it that way, everybody can. Christy, a Julia moment? Julia moment. Uh, for me, I've come to learn more about Julia here in Santa Barbara County more than ever any other time in my life. Um, and I've just really grown to be inspired by how the stories I've heard, you know, run-ins while she was living here in Santa Barbara, but more so the unapologetic approach she took to herself and her life and her delivery and passion for food and service and just um, coming together, I feel like there's been a shift in my approach to luxury because of pioneers like her. Um, and so that, I think that's translated in what we're doing. And so I, I hope that that comes through because it's, it's, it's shifted. It's different, right? It's just being ourselves and, and doing it really well. And so, yeah, that's, I think my inspiration, I wouldn't say moment, but yeah. No, that's right. Uh -huh. Inspirations are all part of the moment. And I think that's a great, I like that connection. In fact, what Rhoda was saying about family is, I think Julia would have endorsed the ultimate luxury is to be in good company with good food and good drink. And that's a different interpretation of what luxury is maybe than some people. But I, I, I think it, it's one that's coming out in everything that we're talking about. So Rhoda, do, do you have a, Ju a Julia moment for us? I worked for Suzanne Goen uh, at AOC uh, in LA for about two and a half years. And, you know, like short of them having a shrine of her in the office, like she, she's, she's a pretty much like a figure uh, in that kitchen, in that restaurant really. Um, but, you know, like nothing, I went to uh, 
La Superica Tecria as soon as I found out that that was her favorite taco place, uh, you know, like just as a young, as a young cook. Um, but, you know, just seeing her videos of like her cooking and how, you know, like if she drops something on the, on the counter and she puts it back on the plate and it's fine. Like, you know, like I, I'm kind of like that because I, I don't like to waste things. I mean, obviously I don't do it like, you know, in the restaurant, I do it at home. Um, <laughs> All healthcare, All healthcare standards follow to a T. It is. And our surfaces are pristine. So, um, but you know, like it's, it's just that cavalier, like take on, on, on cooking and on things that like you don't take yourself too seriously either like I don't like I make fun of myself all the time but it's just like it's okay you're human and that's like that's that's what she like embodies is that your imperfections are just like it needs to be embraced and you need to like really just be proud of it love that no that's great so Rasmus, I don't know how familiar were you with Julia Child before coming to the states sorry even before last week? Uh, honest, I didn't know who she was. <laughs> uh, but obviously coming up to this, you, you're reading about person and you see that what I really took out of her is that if you have a dream, if you have a goal and you love it, you're going to succeed. You can do whatever you want to do as long as you love what you're doing. Uh, and I think that's something that you, everybody can do a parallel with, that if you don't love what you're doing, then find something else to do. Like you're the only one to make yourself happy. And if you're happy enough for what you're doing, you're going to have a lot of success in what you're doing. Absolutely. Find something you're passionate about and tremendously interested in it and follow it. Is a, is a version of what she said. I just butchered that quote, but um, the, the spirit is there. Well, thank you all. And, and I love, I think you see that spirit of all of them embracing our request to get a Julia moment out of everybody. So thank you very much. And uh, we'll open it up if, if folks have questions. I think pretty much all, I don't know if you'll, how specific you'll get on opening dates or things, but you can Anybody? ask. I have a question. Okay. Donna's going to ask the first question. Hi. I want to learn more about gin. Cause I, so those of you um, who, if you, when you go to the restroom, you'll see there's a hallway of all these old photos. There's an amazing portrait of him. And I just wanted to know about how he got to Maddie. It's like, why, why was he there? Who has the most gin lung gin expertise? Maybe I'll jump in on this one. Yeah. Uh, so when when Maddie's first opened in, in 1886, Lucy Maddie, Felix's wife, um, she was the cook and they were kind of the innkeepers. And then in 1910, Jin Lung Jin arrived. At, at the time, you know, he, he was Chinese, but he was living in Goleta. And, and they sort of connected with Jin. And he lived in a little cottage behind the tavern. He was considered part of the family. Um, he lived there for 45 years. And, and as Rhoda mentioned, you know, there's so many stories about him catching trout in the, the Santinez River or making dove pie. And he's really beloved. They almost, you know, they almost adopted him, right? And, and so that was um, kind of the inspiration for us developing Jin's Tap Bar in a little cottage behind the tavern uh, to kind of honor him. So that's a little bit about the about his background. Thank you. Does anybody else have any questions? Oh, we got one here. Well, my question is for you. Uh, your name, I'm sorry. Hey, Rasmus. Rasmus. Uh, so coming from uh, Denmark, and then you come here, and then you hit Solvang. So what do you 
Den dyrer som diesel appleskiver. Uh, but then we only eat it in December, so we wait until December until eating it. But it is a fun thing, and my wife and I was making a lot of joke about that we spent probably five years getting our green cards, and then we're ending up <laughs> literally right next to artificial Denmark. Uh, but it's good. I got two small kids, so they get to see the flags many of the days. Any other questions? Uh, no, I just want to say that the performance obviously I'm very honored to be here with uh, this amazing property, great food. Also, Mr. Richard Sands for, for uh, pioneers like yourself. Uh, we would not be in the position that we are. So I just want to say thank you. Um, also, Rasmus, just uh, since your football background, uh, World Cup, do you have any? Since Denmark will be there, I will be watching every every early morning uh, Denmark play, and I hope that they will take it all the way. That's, that's a good hope. So let's see how, how things play out. And then you can switch to Team USA, or uh, do you have a second, <laughs> second favorite? I'll switch off. I, I, again, two small kids, so you have to choose which matches you can watch, and there's a long season ahead of us still. That's a great and, thing about having an international background is you can kind of, you know, as your top favorite either gets out or advances, yeah. you can switch and keep going. Any other questions? Uh, one behind you, Don. Hello. So as you joined the Maddie's team and this journey, um, perhaps you had a vision or a goal or an assumption about what it would be. So what has been the best surprise, um, you know, the what you didn't know you didn't know? I mean, I can just say I didn't expect or, or truly know this, the ties. I mean, the ties from the community, and, and I mean that in the stories that I hear, truly day in and day out, anyone who finds out I, I am a part of this project um, just really is gushes with excitement about sharing their stories. And it's been so enlivening to hear um, because it's, it's inspiring for what we're bringing to the future now. Um, and that's just been a surprise every time. It's like, even like, younger generations who you think may not have visited will, are willing and excited to share stories about you know, family members or, or stories that they've heard about, about Maddie's Tavern. That's been really nice, a nice surprise. Great, Did any, anyone else want to field it or? I'll, I'll say that, that um, after 20 plus years in this industry and working in all the different spaces with all the people that I've worked with, it's been quite a while since I've worked with a team that I enjoy this much. And I don't mean that in a fluffy way for all of you to hear. I really, it is, it's, it's really makes your life a lot better and a lot more fulfilling and a lot easier when you like who you work with and you respect who you work with and you feel like they give that back to you. It's been a long time since I've had a really strong mentor and I've found that here. And that's something that you never expect. It kind of just lands in your lap or you look for it and it falls flat, you're really disappointed. This has been um, a really amazing journey for me for the last year and a half or so. And I could not be more proud of this team and this project. I think that's a great segue to why we at the foundation have organized the Santa Barbara culinary experience, because I think what you just said to me is what describes the food and wine and drink and hospitality industry in Santa Barbara County. It is truly still a place that is steeped in community, and community kind of makes it better. 
Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the opportunity to join us virtually for this special Santa Barbara Culinary Experience event. Go to spce.event, click on join the email list, and follow at Experience on Instagram for the latest updates about future events, as well as the 2023 Taste of Santa Barbara, May 15th to 21st. Let us know what you think of today's show. Send us an email or a voice memo to contact at juliachildfoundation.org. For all the latest from the foundation, it's at Julia Child on Facebook and at Julia Child Foundation on Instagram. Thanks as always to my co-producer of the foundation, Lauren Salkeld, and our sound engineer at Heritage Radio Network, Armin Spengen. Our theme song is New French Horn by Novi Valtorny. We're on the air on Heritage Radio Network on Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, with downloads available soon after wherever you find your podcasts. We look forward to bringing you back into the Foundation's world next time on Inside Julia's Kitchen. I would like to make a toast. Imagine yourself setting the table in mouth-watering colors and wares, throwing on that beautiful apron that flows like a gown, and curating a playlist that evokes a loose, limber atmosphere so you can dance while you cook your way into a world of play and mischief, extending a warm welcome to your guests. Dear listeners of Inside Julia's Kitchen, I am Mariana Velázquez, author of Colombiana, the cookbook, and I live by what Julia herself once said, no matter what happens in the kitchen, never apologize. I take this to heart every time I host, and that's why I created a line of hosting wear, Casa Velázquez, as an extension of my life extolling that sense of home, retiring any critique of the moment, and fully embracing your cheeky, imperfect, unbridled self. Come with me to casavelasquez.co and reimagine your hosting essentials so we can set the tone for your table and home. Casa Velasquez is a mutual supporter of Heritage Radio Network. Inside Julia's Kitchen is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.